Amen, God. Praise you. Thank you, God, that you are a living God. Here amongst us now, we humble our hearts before you as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. It's it's a real privilege this morning to introduce you to Mark Westheisen. Uh, Mark and his family, Alexia Emerson, Xavier and Isla, all come to Bridgman. Um, but Mark works as the Director of Church Health within the Queensland Baptist Movement. And so we're really thankful for his role. Uh, it's a, a role with big responsibility in, in creating resources and supporting all of the Baptist churches around Queensland, also helping them and supporting them through critical times and strategic times. So we'd love to just keep praying for you, and we'll do that later, Mark. We're really thankful for your role and thankful for the way you serve churches, not just Bridgman, but across the state as well. Uh, could we just welcome Mark as he comes and shares with us this morning? Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much. You're a PE teacher back in the day, weren't you, Andrew? Yeah, me too. Me too. Any PE teachers in the house? Sure, I saw at least one over there. Yeah, keeping his hand down. Um, yeah, we live locally, Alexia and I, and uh, this week on Tuesday we went uh, to the hypermarket down the road there at Aspley and uh, wanted to just exchange a present that was faulty. And anyone done that already, that job? Isn't that the worst job ever after Christmas? I got this present, I haven't got a receipt, but it's faulty. And I think what uh, shops do is they just have one person on that counter at a time for like all of January. So there's a massive big line. We, we made friends in the line with the people who were waiting. We went through a lot together over many days, waiting to uh, swap our, our thing. Anyway, while we were there, walking through the, the shops on Tuesday, I saw something that literally stopped me in my tracks. And I actually stopped, and like a weirdo, I took a photo of it. And I got up on the screen for you to be able to see here today. Those are massage chairs next to the eatery uh, at Aspley, um, you know, hot market. Uh, the lady in the top left corner, you can see her arm sticking out there. She gave me this weird look like, why is this guy stopping to take a photo of, of the chairs? She thought I was taking a photo of her. I wasn't. Um, but I just thought, man, what a, what a weird thing. Like you get your kebab, you get your terrible flat white, you have your shopping trolley there, and you think, you know what I need right now is just four minutes of, of massage bliss, right? But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, actually, you know what? A, a massage chair in a shopping center is a, a brilliant picture of what our culture values, don't you reckon? Because our culture, I reckon, has this incredibly high value on being comfortable. On being comfortable. That's, that's why that's there. So if you're feeling a bit uncomfortable, a bit of tightness in your lower back, you can just ease that discomfort then and there for $2 by putting the money in the massage chair. I think it's hilarious. But that's what our culture values. We, we live in the age of comfort. Never before on planet Earth have people been more, uh, you know, have had access to greater creature comforts. It seems like every new invention is about making our lives easier. You know, we have uh, Panadol, who could live without that? You know, I have uh, heated seats in my car and sometimes I wish I had not just heated seats but the ones with the air vents where they blow cold air as well. Uh, I'd love that. You know, every new feature is designed to make our lives more comfortable. A friend of mine recently bought a new lounge suite and he's like, Mark, check this out. It's uh, got like a um, recliner lounge but it's remote, like there's a button. It's an electric recliner lounge. Not only that, but it came with the remote control. So if you're too lazy to get like a footstool, just buy a recliner lounge. If you're too lazy to pull the lever, just get a motor. And if you're too lazy to put your hand down there, you can use the remote control. This is the world we live in. Can you believe that? 
Like our whole culture is set up around levels of comfort. You can fly economy, business, or first class. How comfortable do you want to be? You can go on holiday to a one-star resort. Don't recommend that. Or you can go five-star. We, have, like we literally have a star system, but how comfortable do you want to be on your holiday? Our whole culture is based around being more comfortable. Comfort is one of our highest values. In fact, when asked, how much money would you like to have? Most people, I reckon, would say, look, I don't want to be like uber rich. I just want to be comfortable, you know? Not have to worry about it. Just do what I want to do when I want to do it without having to think, can I afford this? We live in the age of comfort. Every new invention is about making our lives more comfortable. I'm waiting for my self-driving, self-flying car with a built-in massage recliner seat. That's what I'm waiting for uh, because I'm on the quest for comfort. But there are times, don't you reckon, when the bubble bursts, when you realise actually you can't live in comfort 24-7. I remember for me, the first time I had this experience was when I was eight years old. Any eight-year-olds in the house today? I was eight years old. My mum was a teacher. I see that hand, brother. Um, my my mum was a teacher and she taught grade two. I was in grade two and uh, her classroom was next to my classroom. And after school, I'd have to stay back until my mum was ready to go home from school, right? So what I would do is she'd be in her room, like, you know, getting ready for the next day or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to invent a game. So I invented this game where you pretty much just run on the tables, like just jump from table to table, like triple jump in the classroom. It was brilliant. I was really good. But there's one time where like there's a long distance from the last of the student desks to the good old fashioned teacher's desk. I reckon it was about five metres, it probably wasn't quite that much, maybe only four and a half, but I got a good run up and I made the distance, but then I fell backwards and the teacher's desk, you know, like the 1980s classroom teacher's desk with a big metal bar across the bottom, that fell on me and I put my arm up like this, karate style to stop it and it broke my arm and my arm was like this, it was like all wonky and twisted. I went crying, running with my arm flapping around like an octopus, you know, ma, 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 and I was like in hysterics. And, uh, you know, she got in the car and she found a cushion for me and, like, no bones were sticking out. It wasn't gross or anything. And it was still pretty gross. And we drove to the hospital and I'm like, Mom, just drive carefully, just drive carefully, just drive carefully. And she's, like, driving so carefully. And we got there and the nurse who was helping me said, you know, um, Mark, you can say any swear word as many times as you want and you won't get in trouble. And I'm looking at my mum and she's nodding and I'm like, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I didn't, I'd missed my one chance when I was eight years old to say a swear word. You know, and then I had to have surgery, like they had to put me under and, you know, the gas count backwards from 10 and then they straightened out my arm. I'm glad I wasn't awake for that. Put a cast on and I woke up with a cast and I went home and the doctor said to me, I'm eight years old, I invented a game running on desks and the doctor says, you just have to take it easy. You can't do anything rough. No sport, no climbing, no running around, just... Keep it nice and still so it heals straight. Two weeks later, I go back for the x-rays to check everything's okay. And you know what? It wasn't. It didn't heal straight. And I remember my mum and the doctor sitting me down when I'm eight years old, being through this massive trauma. And they said, we're going to have to put you under again and break your arm again, straighten it all out again. And I just, I just lost it, like... That was one of my career best meltdowns, I reckon, on that day, you know? 
Mom, you told me I would never have to do anything I didn't want to do. Mom, you told me I wouldn't have to go through this. You said that once I came out of the surgery and I had my cast on, my arm was going to get better. I can't do it. I won't do it. And I just like lost it. But I had to do it. I had to go through that all over again. And the second time it hurt so much more and I had all the anxiety and it was just awful. But now my arm's good. So happy ending to the story, right? But like I realized in that moment that I can't live in comfort like I want to. I can't control all the circumstances. And sometimes life breaks in and you can't live in comfort like you want to. I don't know about you, but, but, but I reckon when that happens now, I don't turn to my mum. I kind of often turn to, turn to God and I say, God, that's not fair. You told me if I follow you, I'll have a blessed life, an easy life. God never said that. Um, if, you, if I follow you, God, don't you love me? Don't you care for me? God, I can't do it. I won't do it. It's too hard. I'm going to go, you know, go and hide. And we, we turn to God and we blame him. We say, God, don't, don't you care? Don't you want me to be comfortable? I said, God says, well, not as much as I want you to be holy. Not as much as I want you to be righteous. Not as much as I want you to be fruitful and faithful. Not as much as I want you to live a life of integrity. See, there are things that matter more than our comfort. And we know this. We know this. I mean, like the most holy day of the year in Australia is Anzac Day. It's a day where we remember those that have served our country in the military over not just World War I, but many wars since. And we honor them for their sacrifice. Because war, I hate to break it to you, war is not a five-star resort. You don't get like um, remote control, you know, massage chairs in the war zone. It's tough, a bucket of water a day, living in a trench, you know. It's really, really hard. So why would anyone go to war? because there are some things that matter more than being comfortable. There are things in life that matter more than our comfort. We're so concerned about our comfort, but we realize that actually there are things worth being uncomfortable over. Um, I love the story of this uh, World War II um, army chaplain, American army chaplain, serving on the front lines in France, and he writes a letter to his wife to teach his son how to pray for him when he's in the war zone. This is what he says. He says, the first prayer I want my son to learn to pray for me is not God keep my daddy safe, but rather God make my daddy strong. And if he has hard things to do, make him brave to do them. He goes on, he says, son, life and death don't matter, but right and wrong do. A daddy dead is daddy still, but a daddy dishonored before God is something too awful for words. And I suppose you want to put in something about safety too, and I know mother would like you to, but put it in second, always second, because it really doesn't matter as much as doing what is right. Like there are things worth sacrificing for. There are things worth being uncomfortable for. There are, there are right and wrong things. There are things that matter more than our comfort. I want to take you today to Philippians chapter 2, sorry, Philippians chapter 1. And it's a, a passage of scripture where Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. Philippi is a, a country in Asia Minor, kind of modern day Turkey, founded by Philip of Macedon, Alexander the, the Great's dad, founded the city. Uh, Paul and some others uh, win some converts and plant a church. And by the time Paul is writing, there's an established church. 
in Philippi, the Philippian church. Paul's writing to them. Uh, Paul is in jail, is in a Roman jail cell as a political prisoner, and he is chained, like physical, like shackled, to a member of the Roman special forces. It's like a James Bond movie. He is not in a good place. He's not in a comfortable environment. First century jails were not five-star resorts. He's in a difficult place. He can't even go to the bathroom by himself because he's chained to somebody else for preaching the gospel. And the Philippians, like the church, they're worried about him. Like you can imagine that. You can imagine them, right? They're like Paul, Paul. Paul, the missionary who travels around, can't go anywhere, can't even leave his cell. He must be going crazy. He must be in such discomfort. He must be frustrated and anxious and and afraid and disappointed and hamstrung. Poor old Paul, we better pray that we can cheer up Paul. We better pray that he'll get out of there quickly so that he can get back to work because he can't even preach the gospel while he's in jail. So they are thinking about Paul's comfort. They're thinking about him being enclosed and shut down and frustrated and anxious and ill at ease. But Paul writes to them, and his words to that church are so like, critical for us today. He reorientates their priorities. He resets their expectations about what a life following Jesus means. It's Philippians uh, chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 12. So what he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul says that a lot, by the way. I want you to know. And it's his way of saying, let me clear it up. Let me do my press conference and make sure that everyone has the message straight. There's rumors going around, there's misunderstandings, misconceptions. Let me straighten it out for you so that no one's confused. What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. He goes on. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul's like, guys, this is great news. Like, we are winning. The gospel is going forward. Do you know how hard it is to get that kind of PR? Everyone knows that it's because of the name of Christ that I'm in chains. Everyone knows that it's because it's preaching the good news. Jesus is becoming famous because I'm in jail. The good news is going forward and everyone else is encouraged to be able to preach the word of God more boldly, fearlessly, courageously. It's a good news story. He goes on. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now Paul's like, this is wonderful. We have so many preachers now. Some people are preaching just to spite me, but the good news is getting out. The gospel is powerful. Lives are being transformed in spite of the people. 
Others are preaching the good news out of love and sincerity, and God's using that to win, win. And then he comes to the kind of pivotal verses of this passage. Remember, they're um, worried about Paul. They're concerned about him. They want to get him out of there. They think everything's falling apart and breaking down. And Paul clears it up. And this is the heart of it. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That blows my mind. Like it's such a stark contrast. Like they're worried about his comfort, Paul's worried about his courage. They're worried about Paul not being able to share, but Paul is worried about advancing the kingdom. Like they're worried about Paul's body, you know, getting sick, but Paul's worried about glorifying God through his body. Like he knows it's a life and death situation. He's not, he's not confused. He knows that he might be executed because of Christ. But he's like, this is wonderful. I'm so focused on courage and advancing the gospel by my life or by my death. The NLT version of verse 21 says, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Paul does a worst case scenario exercise with them. Let's just break it down. Option one. I get out of jail one day and I keep preaching the good news and I keep planting churches, making disciples, sending off missionaries. The kingdom of God goes forward until I die years down the track. That's a win. He says, or alternative, I'm executed as a, um, you know, executed for Christ and I go and be with him forever. That's a win. Paul says, I can't lose. I'm in a win-win situation. So the thing that I'm concerned about is living courageously, is advancing the gospel, is honoring my God, is glorifying Christ. That's what he's focused on. And he explains this in the next few verses. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this means fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Isn't that beautiful? But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again in joy, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Then he turns to them and he gives them this instruction, this um, exhortation. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. That sentence literally starts with one thing, monon, one thing, this one thing. This is the one thing. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Isn't that powerful? That's what he says to us. That's what he says to us, whether I live or die. My my plan is to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul is saying to them, recalibrate your priorities around the gospel. Because, like, why are we talking about this today? Like, it's the 8th of January, it's the start of a new year. Why are we talking about courage and comfort today? 
Like, why is this so timely for us? I'll tell you why, I don't know about you, but I reckon every person in not just Australia, but in the whole planet Earth is, is saying to themselves, God, please let 2023 be an easier year. Lord, it would be great if this year was just more comfortable. Everyone is hoping for that. No one is hoping that there'd be more wars or floods or fires. No one's praying for that. No one's daydreaming about you know, new wave of COVID and further restrictions. No one's like, man, I hope interest rates go up and house prices come down even more. Like no one's wishing for that stuff. Every single person, their unofficial goal for 2023 is to live an easier year that they would be more comfortable. This would be a straightforward year, an easy year, a year that's smooth. No bumps, no drama, no detours, just nice and neat and easy. Don't you reckon? I, I realized that was my unofficial goal for the year. It was just to have an easier year than the last year and the year before and the year before. And I caught myself and I realized actually there are things that matter more than my comfort. Like our, our, our version is whatever happens in 2023, I resolve to live the easy and comfortable life. That's our unofficial goal. And then Paul challenges us through, you know, Jesus challenges us through his word. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens in 2023, whether there's a flood, a fire, a war, a worldwide pandemic, whether the stock market goes up or down, whether your kids get sick or well, whether you get into the private school or not, whether you get the promotion or not, whether the test results come back negative or positive, doesn't matter, whatever happens, whatever happens in 2023, I reckon God is saying to us today as we start this year, whatever happens in 2023, resolve to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's, this is why we're here, to advance the gospel, to promote the good news, to live such good lives amongst the pagans. Um, Peter says that they would glorify God on the day he comes. We are called to realize that there are things that matter more in 2023 than our comfort, than our ease. There are things that are more important than that. Whatever happens in 2023, I resolve to live my life in a manner worthy of the gospel. You see, as long as comfort is your number one value, like you won't take risks because you're afraid to lose. So you're going to protection and preservation. So you're not available for God to use you. As long as comfort remains your highest value, you, you won't be focused on promoting the gospel. You won't be focused on how can I share the good news with my neighbors, with my work colleagues, with my extended family, with my brother-in-law's you know, daughter's fiance. Like how can I share the good news? You'll be focused on self-preservation, playing it safe, keeping it neat, keeping everything focused. As long as comfort is your highest priority, you won't be available for God to stretch and grow you because you'll never step into the moments where it's sink or swim. You'll, you'll play it safe. You'll miss out. And I believe that today God is calling each of us to adjust our priorities for the year ahead. Not that I'm wishing floods or fires or disasters on anybody, of course not. But to say, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I'm resolving to live my life courageously to advance the gospel, to glorify Christ, even if I end up getting arrested, 
in Cambodia and go to jail. Well, I hope that doesn't happen, right? But it, so be it. If that's going to glorify God, I'm, I'm keen to do it. I'm keen to do it. Because I, I believe there are things that God wants to do in us and through us that can't happen where comfort is our number one priority. The things that are on his heart for you and for your family and for your neighborhood and for your small group and for your ministry and for our church and for Brisbane can't happen. The things that God longs to do to bring transformation as the gospel spreads and lives are transformed and the Holy Spirit is active, those things can't happen. They won't happen if we're focused on comfort because we'll never be obedient to the Spirit. You know what I mean? It'll be too hard, so we won't go, we won't do it. But when the Spirit leads, when the Holy Spirit whispers, when He speaks, when the door opens, when an opportunity comes, if we say, Lord, I have resolved in 2023, no matter what, that I'm going to live my life in a manner worthy of the gospel, you step into those moments. And God performs miracles. He uses you. The gospel is powerful. The Holy Spirit is active. The kingdom is advancing even now. God has things he wants to do that won't happen unless we step into those moments. So what about the whole comfort thing? Like, does God not want us to be comfortable? Like, have have we got that right? Well, I think we're only a little bit wrong because God is not committed to us being comfortable, but he is committed to us being comforted. Now, uh, Jesus says in, uh, in John uh, 14, 16, um, in the upper room, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word counselor, uh, it's a Greek word, um, parakletos, para meaning like alongside, like parallel parking, you know, park alongside. And uh, that kletos one comes from the word uh, kaleo, which means um, to be called. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is called alongside us to, to strengthen us, to advocate for us, to counsel us, to comfort us. He's the counselor, the comforter, the advocate. It's the Holy Spirit with us and in us. And Jesus says, um, I will ask the Father to give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Jesus has promised that when you confess Christ and your sins are forgiven and you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, you will always be comforted because the comforter will always be with you. So what Paul is getting at. He says, he says as much as this in um, verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. See, the help given by the Spirit. Paul knows that he can go through anything because he will always be comforted even if he's uncomfortable because the comforter is with him 24-7. Do you know, when I um, woke up from that operation the, the first time and the second time, after going through that very difficult time, the first thing I saw when I opened my eyes you know, in recovery was my mum and my dad. My mum was like stroking my head and patting my arm, my good arm, you know, and my dad was there being all stoic and uh, telling me how proud he was of me and how strong I was going to be when I was healed and saying to me, you know, when that arm's good, you're going to be able to beat all the other boys in arm wrestles at school. And I did. I did. I was a weapon in year six with the arm wrestling scene. Um, but they were there to comfort me. They didn't leave me to go through the hard thing alone. They were with me the entire time. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. 
He's with us through the difficult things. He will never abandon us. He comforts us and strengthens us so that we can do hard things. So what I want to do, just as, as the team, the worship team comes back up, is I, I guess I just want to give you an opportunity to claim verse 27 as, as your own. Where Paul says to the Philippians, and he says it to us too, whatever happens, you know, live um, your life for the sake of the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I want to give us a chance today to recalibrate our orientation. This is really hard because if you're anything like me and if you're a parent, it gets even harder because you just want your kids to have a good year, a comfortable year, an easy year, a year where friendships go well and no one gets hurt playing sport and they get into the right music program and like great friendship groups and become school cap. Like you just want your kids to have a great year or your grandkids. But as long as comfort is the priority, we'll miss out on what God has for us. So I want to give you the chance to, I guess, do an exchange if you like. So instead of saying, whatever happens in 2023, I resolve to seek the comfortable and easy path, to swap that over and to say, like Paul urges us to say, whatever happens in 2023, I resolve to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because there are things that matter more than being comfortable. And the biggest one is the kingdom of God going forward to those who desperately need it. I want to give you the chance to, to do that, to, to, to make a resolution, to, to resolve, to choose, to say, I'm doing this. And I've kind of had this picture as I've been preparing this week of, you know, I told a couple of military stories of, of like, almost like a soldier at attention, you know, to say, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm prepared. Whatever it takes, wherever I get sent, the answer is yes. I'm ready, I'm here, let's go. Just tell me what, what to do. I'm equipped, I'm prepared. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And I wanna give us a chance, I guess, to take that posture before God this morning and to make a commitment uh, to Him and in front of our church family, I guess, to say, I resolve in 2023, no matter what, to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ because some things matter more than comfort. You want to do that? I do. I'm going to do it. So what we're going to, what I'm going to ask you to do, if that's you, is just to, to stand up just as a sign between you and God and with the, for the encouragement of those around us to say, yep, that's me. You want, you want to do that now if that's you? To say, I'm exchanging the easy, comfortable path as my goal and my priority. I realise actually that was my subconscious decision I made for this year to live an easy, have an easy year. But I'm choosing instead, come what may, no matter what, that I'm going to make a decision to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Can we pray together? Can we pray? Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that this is only possible because we have your Holy Spirit. That is the help. That is the power of God in us. Lord, you don't want us just to be good moral people. You want us to be people led by the Spirit, committed to the gospel, seeking to bring transformation to our own lives as we cooperate with your Holy Spirit. Transformation and healing and light and life to our families, to our neighbourhoods, to our small groups, to our soccer teams, to our bus runs. Lord, to, this, to the community around us. And God, I just get the sense that this is the moment that you're really proud of your kids. That you're rejoicing over us as we say, King Jesus, Lord God Almighty, here we are, ready for duty. This year, Lord, we will go where you send us. 
we will do what you ask us. We are committed to serving you, to seeking you, to advancing the gospel, to living our lives, whether it's in a quiet way or an outspoken way, in a way that brings glory to you, Jesus. We're exchanging comfort for courage, fear for faith, self-preservation for taking up our cross, dying to self and following you. Because Lord, we know as Paul says in this passage, that is the place of joy. That is the place of life. So God, we thank you in advance for what you will do to bring healing and light and wholeness and gospel transformation to ourselves and those around us as we seek you this year. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you are so good and we love you so much. Amen. Amen. Now let's worship together. Thanks, Jason. Sing of his goodness this morning. Yeah. 
Church, I want to just just encourage us today that God is good and God is faithful. And in 2023, there'll be things that God calls us into that are going to make us feel uncomfortable or there'll be things that happen in the circumstances of our life where we are uncomfortable. But I was thinking of the calling of Joshua. And as he was called, God said, Be strong and be courageous for I am with you. And so may you know today, all throughout this year, that He is with you. And the other thing, like in the place of need, we experience God. We, we may not experience comfort, but we experience God. And God is so much greater than comfort. And that's what He wants. He wants to show us who He is. He wants us to have a living experience of who He is. And it is often in those stretching times, those uncomfortable times that He comes and He reveals Himself and He works in us. So I'm really thankful to Mark. I just want to invite Mark and his family up here. I'm really thankful for Mark's word today because we look in 
Now, church-wide series about kingdom vision and values, it, it requires discomfort. We're called into those places. And I just wanted to take this time actually to affirm Mark and to pray for his family um, because Mark's living this. He's stepping. I know in the role and the responsibility he's taking, he, he's stepping into it. It's not comfortable. And there'll be times in his, his life this year where he will need God's grace. I love that verse. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And I pray that for you guys as a family. I just asked um, Alexia up here too and Emerson. Uh, Xavier's not here, but Isla as well because we recognise the call on families in this space too. We want to pray for you as a family. So could you join me, church, as we pray for them in this moment. Thank you. And God, we recognise the call on Mark's life and Alexia's life on this family. Lord, to serve you, to live for kingdom values and for kingdom purposes, Lord, that they've stepped into. And Lord, that's my prayer for them, that Lord, they would know that your grace is sufficient for them and for your power is made perfect in weakness, Lord, and they would know a very special empowerment of the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, but Lord, in ministry, Lord, that they know that it's not them, but Lord, your power working in and through them. And Lord, in those uncomfortable times, Lord God, I want to pray that, Lord, they would lean into you, that they would surrender to you, that they would depend upon you and claim the promises that you have for them. Bless them in their friendships. Bless them in their school uh, environments, Lord God. I pray as a family they'll be united in this call as well. But Lord, we pray for good things across the Baptist churches of Queensland, that Lord, you would use Mark to bring life, to bring love, to bring unity, to bring comfort, to bring healing. We pray that's beyond him or anything that he could ever do. But Lord, your spirit working in him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Could we thank Mark and Alexia and the family here this morning? Thank you. Please be seated. And thanks so much for being with us this morning. Please stay for a coffee. If you're new, we would love to meet you here this morning. And for families, just remembering the next two weeks will be the family service over in A2 as well. Thanks so much and have a great week. Thank you.